Spirit is renewed every morning. Mm-hmm. Isn't that a, isn't that reassuring? Yes. It's almost like for Christians, it's this natural. Um, I don't know when you don't feel well. At least for me, when I don't feel well, I I lean into God even more. Yeah. I depend on Him even more, and so your spirit. Your body is telling you you're feeling terrible, but you're feeling so much closer to God. You know, not that I want to be sick all the time, but um, this is an interesting message this morning. I was reading Matthew 25 about two weeks ago, and I thought, wow, I see a, a lifestyle here that just jumps right out at me. So I think this will make a great message for us as a church and and as more I studied, I thought, wow, this is a whole lot more complicated than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> um, it's a really interesting uh, passage. Uh, to, to give you a little bit of a background, um, this, is, this takes place right before the last Passover, where Jesus really becomes the Passover lamb. And so he is, his focus and his direction and his walk is towards Jerusalem towards the final um, culmination of all that God's called him to. And in the process, um, he begins to tell the people about the Pharisees. He says, look, um, because they've taken and sit in in the, the, the chair or the seat of Moses, do what they say. Observe what they tell you to do, but don't do what they do because they don't do what they tell you to do. And then Jesus proceeds with these seven woes to the Pharisees, you know, in chapter 23. Um, Then he goes on, and so he goes out of the temple at that time, and the disciples point out how beautiful all the temple buildings are. And Jesus says, look, all these stones, there's not even going to be one stone left on another. And so they get in their private place, and um, of course the disciples say, when's all this going to happen? And so he begins to give these parables, and he talks about um, uh, the importance of being ready and alert, because nobody knows. He said, I don't know. He said, angels don't know. Only the Father knows when the end will come. And so... He gives a number of parables about uh, being ready, about being a faithful steward. And then in chapter 25, it starts out with this parable of the ten virgins. So let's read the first 13 verses of chapter 25. Give you a chance to get there. 25.1 says... Then the kingdom of heaven will, compare, will be comparable to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were foolish, and five were prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the prudent took oil in flask along with their lamps. Now while the bridegroom was delaying, They all got drowsy and began to sleep. But at midnight there was a shout. Behold, the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. 
And the foolish said to the prudent, Give me some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the prudent answered, saying, No, there will not be enough for us, and you too. Go instead to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they were going away to make the purchase, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast. And the door was shut. And later the other virgins also came, saying, Lord, Lord, open up for us. But he answered and said, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Be on the alert then, for you do not know the day nor the hour. Um, it's a really interesting passage, and um, the reason it became difficult is because when I started reading the commentaries, that's when I got confused. <laughs> because there's a, there's, in, there's a real interpretive difference about who he's talking about. And the whole operative word in this, in this is the very first word, then. Because Jesus is talking about the coming of the kingdom um, in, in chapter 24, and then he uses this word, then, after there's weeping and gnashing of peace and judgment. He uses this word then and talks about the kingdom being comparable. And so there's real some real interpretive differences among all the theologians about whether this is um, Jesus, the age after the rapture of the church, or the age of the millennial kingdom. And so I am not going to get into all of that, and a lot of commentaries try to just not get into it as well because there's just a divergence there. But what I, wanted, what, I, what I want us to see is the, the thoughts and ways of God in, in this particular parable because it's not unlike the one right before it in chapter 24. And so basically whether we're talking about just the Jews in the first two parables of chapter 25 or whether it really is in fact the church, God's ways and his thoughts are still um, the same for, for both groups of people. And so what I want to look at is in this particular parable, there are three things. You slide your chair out this way, it won't be pushing the thing. There you go. Thanks. <laughs> and so there are three things. There's a kingdom. There are virgins. And there is a bridegroom. And so it's about a kingdom. And, you know, it's like Bill was saying earlier, where there's a kingdom, there's a king. And where there is a king, he reigns. And to, to pick up on what Bill was saying about reigning in this life, the scripture he just read out of Romans 5, um, yes, we should be reigning in this life. But wherever the king is, he reigns and rules. Now, if you don't acknowledge that, there will come a time when you will. You know, we'll, we'll, every tongue will confess and every knee will bow to the king. In this particular kingdom, um, apparently, there are these virgins. And in, in my best guess, the virgins represent the church. Normally, the bride is the church. But there's no bride mentioned in this particular parable. So here we have 
ten virgins that represent the church. Now, just because five are prudent and five are foolish doesn't mean that it's 50-50. The, the visible church, half the people are foolish and half the people are prudent. It's just the way it's broken down. Um, so it's, it's not an allegory. It's a parable. So there's a, there's a kernel of truth there for us to get without trying to get all hung up in, well, that must be this and this must mean that. And so what I, want, what I really want us to see here is that um, within the visible church, there are two types of people. There are those that have lamps and those that have lamps and oil. So what in the world could that represent? Well, if you have a lamp, you have a form of religion. Okay? But what gives that religion power and proof and depth and passion and holiness and faith? It's the Spirit. So there are lots of people that attach themselves to the church or in the church because of the benefits of the church. Now, our church is different. <laughs> but there's most churches, there's a big cross-section of people that, you know, they come at Christmas and Easter and those that are there every time the door is open. So, you know, there's a, there's a big, wide um, cross-section of people in, in, in the church, visible church. And so this parable here is talking about the fact that there are people in the church that think they're saved. There are people in the church that are there for the benefits of the church. I just am reminded of... I probably shouldn't tell. I'm going to tell this story anyway. <laughs> I remember the very first time I went to Mount Olivet when it was over on Blue Ridge Road. Bill and Julie were, had already started going there. Well, T and, I, T and I went, and there was just this energy in the church. I thought, wow, this we've been looking for a church for a year. So we go. We feel, wow, maybe we finally found our home you know, in the family of God. This couple comes up to us and, um, you know, introduces himself. He said, we'd love to come visit with you tonight. I thought, this is amazing. Usually this never happens. Mm -hmm. Well, we get home. We're excited. They, they, you know, they come that night and they talk about Amway. Mm -hmm. I thought, wow. <laughs> I don't know whether they were believers or not, but some people use a part of the church for their own advantage, you know. Um, but so you've got two groups of people. Now, there are the, the ones that had oil when, when the call came. Were they selfish to say, no, you can't have any? You, you can't. I, Bill can't give me his faith. <laughs> you know, I can't take Mary's holiness. You know, I can rub up against her. You know, I can see how she lives her life. I can mimic it. But, you know, if you can't share your faith, you can share your faith, you know, in a communication way. But as far as the faith in your heart, that's yours. The holiness, whatever amount of holiness that, that God's in, imputed and imparted into you, 
that's yours. I can't like take that off and hand a little bit to somebody. And so it wasn't that they didn't want to. They couldn't. They couldn't give true belief to those that had a form of religion. And so he said, look, go get some oil. So here the foolish ones become even more foolish because now they think that they can leave and go get, go, go get ready and come back. Well, it didn't happen, did it? The door was shut. Now, the interesting thing to me here is, well, what does it mean? I mean, the, the, the truth is, be alert. Be ready. Um, watch for the coming. And, you know, I can remember my mom said, you know, look, every generation thinks Jesus is coming back in their generation. Well, that may be so. And they ought to think that way. You know, it's easy to say, well, it's not going to happen. We don't know when it's going to happen. You know, only God knows. So he says to us, watch, be ready and alert. So how do we do that? So, you know what? That means I need to uh, just sit in my house and look out the window and watch for this Jesus to come. No. The real interesting thing about this is all ten of them fell asleep, didn't they? All got drowsy and all fell asleep. So I guess it's okay to sleep. <laughs> yeah, but what that, what that really means is it's okay. What that's really saying is it's okay to go about living life. We need to just go about living life. But in the midst of living life, we need to be alert. We need to be ready, right? So it's, it's, it's an attitude of a heart that God's calling his people to, not postponing some place of obedience he's called <clears throat> us into, not you know being like the, the, the slave in chapter 21 that says, oh, he's not coming back for a while. I think I'll just kind of cruise a little bit. I can treat people this way or that, and then I'll get ready when I know it's the signs all are starting to line up. I'll change. You, you know, repentance is also a gift from God. It's a grace gift. God gives us places for, of repentance. And then there are times when the Bible says, and he found no place for repentance. Well, every time we have grace for repentance, what do we need to do? We need to repent. That's right. And so that's a part of being ready. We live life. We go about our business. But um, I, I can't remember the guy. I should know the, the artist that wrote uh, Traveling Man and Carolina Song. And, but I just can't think of his name. Plays a guitar. Was very popular over in... Chapel Hill. Does anybody know? James Taylor. James Taylor. James Taylor has this one song is about this guy. Um, it says, moving in quiet desperation, keeping an eye on the Holy Land, hypothetical destination, who is this traveling man? The only thing true in there is keeping an eye on the Holy Land. There's not a hypothetical destination for a Christian. It's a real thing. And so... <laughs> 
in our in our life of what we're doing, we're always keeping an eye on the Holy Land because we're just strangers and aliens here. You understand that? Now, for me, I walked in this place of being stranger and alien, and I can embrace it. I'm a foreigner here, so why get involved in things? But then I had I just really got called up short when I did that um, teaching on fasting, where you we're really supposed to be about making our community better. We're supposed to be improving society using the gifts and skills that we have, and so. Um, what this whole thing is is it's an attitude of heart it's this place of readiness uh, not only being ready to give an account of the hope that's within you but being ready to meet Christ himself and so I'm going to just briefly touch on the other two because really what I saw in this whole passage was, was a lifestyle and so the next one is about um, the guys going away. Master's going away. He gives money to each of three slaves. One gets five talents, one gets two, one gets one. And he says, take care of my stuff. And the, the interesting thing is the word in my sense is immediately the one with five and two went out and did business. They went out and they began to do business. The other one didn't do anything because he was afraid. He misjudged the character of God. And um, so this whole parable, and I know I'm just kind of going through it, but I'm feeling kind of weak here. This whole parable is about... Um, your giftings. You may have five talents worth of giftings. You may have two talents worth of giftings. You may have one. But the Lord expects us to do business. And so what does that mean when he says to do, to do business? Does that mean we're supposed to, it's only our earthly possessions and we're supposed to make more money, make more money, make more money? Well, it depends on what teacher you talk to, right? <laughs> What he's really saying, it's what I've given you. I expect you to do the Father's business with it. And what's the Father's business? For us, for those that he leaves here, it's to bring thing, people under his kingship, into his kingdom. And so it's the gifts and talents, whether it's some of that may be material and some of it's going to be who he's made you to be. But God really expects us to produce, be fruitful for his kingdom. That's the business we're supposed to be about. It's real interesting because um, I just kind of got hung up on this, these six words or 12 words, whatever they are. But, you know, in the first one, the bridegroom's going to come and, and then he heralds people. It's God calls us to himself by himself, for himself. I mean, we think God's for us, and he is in a sense, but we're there for him. And he is, wants to show his glory through you and me. And so he calls us to himself. And so our response 
like these particular guys needs to be everything, every everything, every person, everywhere. So whatever he's given us, all that we have, we invest it in any of the people that he places in our path, any of the places he sends us to be. And so that is the essence of what these kind of these two parables are about. And in this last parable where the sheep and the goats are separated, the key thing for me there was um, Jesus, the difference was visiting the sick, really practical stuff, visiting those in prison, feeding the hungry, giving people clothes. I mean, it, that doesn't sound very spiritual, does it? It's extremely practical. But it's in this particular passage, it says, whenever you do this to his brothers, who would that be? That's us. You've done it to him. Now, does that mean, okay, we don't have to worry about anybody else except who's saved? No. This particular parable talks about it. There are lots of other scriptures that tell us we're to reach out to the world. It's like Bill just said earlier, to be salt and light, to be those things to, to a watching world. But to me, the, this lifestyle is, look, be ready. Keep your eye on the Holy Land. Use everything God's given you to do what he's called you to do. And don't forget your brothers and sisters. You know, our church is really, really good about reaching out. And I am glad because it's, it's our gift. I mean, it's God's grace gift to us as a church to be embracing. I can remember, I don't know, it's three or four years ago, somebody asked me, what about your church? I said, my church is the kind of church that I could bring that guy from corn in here and you wouldn't know he was a believer. You'd just think he was tattooed from head to toe. And my church would welcome him. They would embrace him and they would care for him. That's the kind of church I go to. You know, we are learning more and more to see a person according to the spirit and not just their flesh. And so I just really want to encourage you this morning as we, you know, as we just continue um, as a church, um, expect his return. I don't know when it's going to be. I mean, you know, there's a part of me that says, okay, it says in here that every, the gospel will be preached to every nation and then the end will come. And so I kind of hang my hat on that. Well, it ain't going to happen in my generation because there's 4,000 more unreached people groups to reach. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't say when or how that's going to happen. And so, you know, it's easy to just say, okay, well, it's not going to happen. The thing is to be like we are, is to be um, passionate about the lost and also passionate about caring for one another. Now, that's a big enough load for any church. And, uh, and so we need the grace of God for that. And I just w- really would encourage you, um, whatever part of your life that just is still kind of a form of religion, that's, 
that's that's the lamp with no with that the oil can't get in the crevice of it. Let's let God get rid of those things to where we are a church that walks really in the, in the, under the direction and power of God. Um, I, I know for those of us that are aging aging up some, there's a real desire and passion to see the things that we saw 25 years ago or so. Um, to, to, to have that, um, you know, another fresh wind of and fresh fire of God to come through this nation. This nation desperately needs it. Uh, and, you know, we, we don't need another nation taking the apostolic place that's, that's been placed upon this nation. So I just really encourage us as, as a church. We do our part, you know, and, and God will just continue to multiply that. And so um, I just wanted to leave that with you this morning. Do you have any comments or questions or any thoughts that came up as, as we were talking about this that may would be a benefit or a blessing to to the rest of the church. Okay, Bill, would you like to come and lead us?